Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. A podcast of Ira with Janine Stanley. Episode 9, Access at the County Level with Heidi Johnson. I'm Janine Stanley, Ira's Director of Customer Success and Engagement. In this episode of Access Matters, we're going to talk a little bit about government, and specifically local government. How many times have you thought about your county government? In the United States, one of the divisions of government is the county level. Usually it's between the state and the municipality levels of government, depending on where you are. And access to county services, as we found out during the pandemic, can be crucial for a lot of reasons. Imagine if you couldn't access those services. You couldn't get to county services. You might not be able to read something on a website or you might not be able to get into a county building. Access matters. Here's my interview with Heidi Johnson. Welcome to Access Matters. Heidi Johnson, the ADA coordinator for Miami-Dade County, Florida. Hello. Tell our listeners a little bit about the Miami-Dade area of Florida. I think we're all familiar with Miami, but I don't think we realize just how big that area is. Oh my goodness, you're absolutely right. So I work for Miami-Dade County, which includes the city of Miami, city of Miami Beach, and actually a total of, I believe it's 34 or 35 municipalities. So we are, we are a big uh, place. We have a total county residents of about 2.66 million people. And that includes the total number of disabled residents as 272,374. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That you know about, right? <laughs> right. People that actually do report as being disabled. You're right. Yeah. Square miles, we have approximately 1,900 square miles, very large place. Mm-hmm. And um, also uh, another little little statistic, um, as of 2021, the county had a gross domestic product of $154.9 billion, Ooh. making it the 14th largest of the nation's 3,033 counties. Wow. Yes. So wow. Uh, we are, our metro area is now the 11th largest metropolitan economy in, in the U.S. And we also have the third largest accredited park system which stewards over 280 parks and over 40,000 acres of parks and natural land. And we are going to get excited about that uh, (laughs) later on in in the interview because, oh my goodness, we've got a great, uh, some great access news about your parks. Mm. And uh, I know there are some amazing parks down there. Right. For the most part, you know, these are year round residents, obviously there because our county, one of our largest services that we provide is tourism. Naturally, we're going to get many, many folks from all over the U.S. as well as all over the world. Years ago, I worked for the city of Miami Beach, and there, you know, you would just step out on my step out on my lunch hour, and you'd hear so many different languages spoken of people coming to visit. It's really, really pretty cool. Heidi, how did you come to be? 
in this area and um, involved in accessibility as you are. Well, let's hear a little bit about you. (laughs) I am a woman with a disability and um, I've had rheumatoid arthritis since uh, childhood. And I, at this point in my life, I am basically a full-time power wheelchair user. So I, you know, I, I live that life every day proud to be a disabled woman, but I I come to it from a personal aspect, but also many years ago in another lifetime, it feels like I went practice law and um, I'm from Ohio, originally the Cleveland area. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I'm coming from Columbus. So yes. (laughs) Wow. I lived in Columbus about 14 years. Oh my. (laughs) So um, I, you know, grew up in Ohio and went to uh, school there, went to uh, Kent State uh, undergrad and then Ohio uh-huh, State, yes. the Ohio State University Law School. So I got my law degree and for the, about 10 years, basically the 1990s, I practiced law um, and virtually all of my career has been um, in public sector. So the 90s were uh-huh. about 10 years that I worked for the state of Ohio in two different administrative, major administrative agencies. And doing that sort of law, I was not a litigator, I was an in-house transactional person. And so doing that sort of practice of law, really the majority of what you're doing is regulatory compliance. And um, Ah. so it was for other other, uh, industries, but definitely uh, of that sort of nature. And moved to South Florida in uh, 2000. And uh, at that time, I knew I kind of wanted to transition out of the traditional practice of law. And I wanted to do something that was more disability focused. And so that was my plan was to, um, you know, get try to find a position somewhere, hopefully in government um, doing ADA compliance. And I was fortunate um, after looking for a job and, you know, sending out resumes and all that sort of thing. I was hired as the city of Miami Beach's first full-time ADA coordinator. So that's, I started my ADA compliance uh, career in 2001. So I've been doing this for about 22 years and I was with the city for six. And then I started with uh, Miami-Dade County in the year 2007. So I've been there, uh, been with the county a little over 16 years I love it. I feel like it is such an amazing opportunity uh, to work for this incredible county with our incredible whole um, aspect, all the services we provide. I mean, if somebody, when they wake up, if they live in Miami-Dade County, if all they do that day is turn on the tap and get water, they've used a county program. And Uh of course, people do a lot more than that, obviously, transit and parks and libraries and so many things. And so when I transitioned into focus on ADA compliance, it was still a relatively new field. You know, ADA was passed in 1990, and then most of the provisions went into effect in 92. And then I started my career as an ADA compliance person in 2001. So it was still kind of a, a new field, novice field. And it's kind of like, you know, learning as you go in a lot of ways. But really, I was able to use that regulatory compliance knowledge that I developed as an attorney. And it made a lot of sense. So really, 
even though I'm not traditionally in the practice of law anymore, I am using every single workday. I'm using everything that I learned when I was uh, practicing law. And I think that's good for folks to know, especially for people who are looking for jobs or considering some type of job that, you know, your degree may not lead you exactly down the path that that you thought it might, but true. other yeah. yeah, and in fact, other doors may open right. up. And and what I would point out is that I I know in the course of what I do for a living, of course we've got many different uh, ADA coordinators in our county. We could talk about that in, in a little bit. But I've mm-hmm. met lots of ADA compliance professionals, and people come to this field from many different disciplines. Um, there are others like me that have come from law, but really a lot of folks uh, come from human resources background, because obviously that's a, a big portion of ADA compliance. You get people that come to it from perhaps uh, in an educational uh, background, working uh, in schools or, or in a university. From an educational perspective, you have people whose background is almost fully uh, construction practices, capital projects management. And so their, their area is going to be, of course, the built environment. And, um, and people do come from other professions or from other disciplines as well, because ADA is really quite diverse in the different things that it touches. And um, so what I would say, too, in follow-up to your, your last comment is that if you are somebody looking to get into ADA compliance, don't be too concerned that you may be coming from, oh my gosh, some strange discipline that's not going to be match up with it. No, there are actually a lot of different disciplines that um, can be very useful in ADA compliance. Given your background, can you tell us how would you define access? Oh my goodness. That is a very broad question indeed. (laughs) We love to ask people this (laughs) who come to the podcast and see what the answers are going to be. Right. Well, you know, I, I speak sometimes to architecture students, first year students on ADA and how it applies to the architectural field. When I go to speak to them, I don't focus on things like, okay, X number of inches from the center of the toilet valve to the side wall. You know, we don't talk mm-hmm. about those. We, I talk about social equity and that people with disabilities have the right to enjoy and participate in everything that every other person without a disability has the right to participate in. And so I tell the student, I say, look, if you had to distill down the ADA, into three kernels, it would be the opportunity to benefit, the opportunity to participate, and to do those two things in the most integrated setting possible. So that's my very general answer to that. But I would say that in my work with the county, our mission in our office is to ensure that every Miami-Dade County program service, activity, and facility is accessible to and usable by our residents and our visitors with disabilities. So that is our broad mission. And so virtually every county function, every county activity, every county structure in which people from the public pass through, we need to be doing all of that in a way that everyone can enjoy and participate in those things. 
given that definition, uh, tell us about some of the other services besides, of course, visual interpreting through IRA, but uh, some of the other services that your office oversees for county functions and what what are, uh, give us a broad picture of Miami-Dade County and what, what kinds of access people can anticipate when they come. Absolutely. Yes. The way the county is set up, there are quite a few county departments, individual departments, obviously overseeing different functions. Every county department is required to have a minimum of three ADA coordinators, one for human resources, one for programs and services, and one for physical facilities or the built environment. Now, to be clear, those three people in any given department are not people whose full-time positions focus on those functions solely. Typically, it is somebody who is already doing a full-time job and they are given those functions. However, usually it's, you know, they're going to be experts, obviously, in their department and in the particular uh, field in which they focus on. So we have that. And our office, we do uh, periodic meetings with all the AD coordinators. We also even invite AD coordinators from some the municipalities are welcome to attend. And we do uh, meetings where we we pick a couple different themes and have uh, guests that we interview and talk to and present information and also give all those coordinators uh, all kinds of resources that they can utilize, uh, tips on things that they, they can do better and easier. Uh, so we, we really focus on doing that. We're always also sending out little tips and hints to um, this network that I just discussed via email, uh, keeping them in, in the loop on things. Um, maybe it might be we hear about a, a webinar that could be super helpful, or we find a document online that really kind of summarizes a particular thing that could be very helpful. We, we do that. We also have for our AD coordinators for the county AD coordinators, we, we have um, a SharePoint site and we have all kinds of resources for them. So we, we make, I guess the first step is just making sure that our staff in the county departments is there and, and has that information so they can best provide services to everybody. That's huge, of course. Mm-hmm. Also too, um, just to give you a couple more examples of things, the parks Recreation and Open Spaces Department, as I said earlier, has about 280 parks that they oversee. They have a huge division of inclusion programming. So there's some things that are focused solely on folks with disabilities, like, for example, a wheelchair basketball league. But a lot of what the parks provides, you know, summer camp, uh, activities, after school things, all kinds of different programming, the focus is let's integrate all of those. So we have, you know, adults and children with disabilities and adults and children without disabilities, you know, participating side by side in these um, many, many different programs. I can tell you that uh, I've talked to numerous parks employees. They really take it seriously and they really want to find a way so that everyone, regardless of limitations, can enjoy you know, what we have to offer here in, in the county. Our cultural affairs department, oh my gosh, they work to increase participation in the arts by making cultural activities 
more accessible for people with disabilities, residents, visitors, and artists. They have uh, creative programs, such as the one called Culture Shock Miami that provides $5 tickets to high school and college students to attend events. They have free tickets oh. to senior citizens and some for some programming. They provide Saturday arts programs in neighborhood parks, uh, enjoyed equally by kids with and without disabilities, uh, establishing di- accessible, diverse, and enjoyable cultural programs. They, they do many, many more things than that, but that gives you an idea. Our libraries, oh my gosh, the amount of program that they do is amazing. And they have you know, so many different things that they offer, such as you know, study groups, speakers, artists, um, people coming to speak about a book that they've written, other programs for, for, for kids and adults too, uh, and doing all of those things in a way that everybody can enjoy and participate in those in those aspects you know really that's that just gives you a little taste of of a couple uh-huh. of that. but I, I wanted to mention too because you, you said how do we create access and make sure that everyone can enjoy and participate and one of those things is we have an advisory board on disability uh-huh. issues. it's called the commission uh-huh. on disability issues or cody and the county has numerous advisory boards and this is the one that focuses on disability matters. So each county commissioner gets an appointment to the board. So there's 13 people on, on Cody and the majority have some form of disabilities and those without disabilities often are, are working in, in um, areas where they do work with folks with disabilities. And they are there as a two-way street really for us. They bring to the county things that they're hearing from the community, concerns from other people with disabilities or interests in getting programming in certain things or asking questions about legislative things that are gonna happen. But also it's great for us as the county because then we can pass along information about what the county's doing and uh, maybe how programs might be altered or new programs introduced and letting the folks, or making folks aware. And then they take back that information back with them um, to their communities. So Cody is so important and so valuable. It's, you know, the ADA, I think we all can understand that the ADA says, hey, look, local governments, you know, you need to be, you should be getting input from your local disability community. But it's not only that, the law actually requires that input. And it's not just of, hey, this would be nice. This is a, yes, you must do this. Now, there's many different ways to, to get that input. But I think having an advisory board on disability is really one of the best forward steps that a local government can undertake. And that way you're hearing from people out there, because I think we all know that, you know, people generally have good intentions, but if you are creating a a particular program or, or service and you make assumptions about people with disabilities, mm-hmm. not to be rude or anything like that, but simply you, you know, you're making assumptions that you think are correct. You may not be right. And it goes back to that old adage, you don't know what you don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So you you really have to talk to the so-called end user of a particular program mm-hmm. or service or people that are going to enter a building that you're going to be building in order to get 
the information from, oh my gosh, you know, there are three ways we could be doing this program, but you know what? Of A, B, and C, B is going to be the best way. We found that out by talking to the people that are actually in the community. And that leads me sort of to a side question about count versus municipal governments or ways that people negotiate these kinds of ADA access to events. I think a lot of people may be confused in their local area how to tell who who applies, who do I talk to about using this facility or this going to this particular event. Can you just kind of help us understand kind of that logistic. And I know it's different everywhere in every county system, probably that people interact with around the United States, but a little bit in Miami-Dade, kind of how that definition is broached with municipal and then county. Certainly, absolutely. We do trainings and we do outreach at times. And when I do that sort of thing, like a presentation, one of the first things I, I always tell people is, The ADA office is an internal compliance office. We do not enforce the ADA. So even if we wanted to, we couldn't because we're local government and the ADA (laughs) is a federal law. So it's a federal law enforced by different parts of the federal government, depending on what part of the law that we're talking about. So people often think that if they, let's say they go to a local restaurant that doesn't have maybe an accessible bathroom, or they go to a store and the doorway has a step to get in, they, you know, will get calls like of that nature. And what I try to explain to them is, well, I empathize with issues with access. Absolutely. Because I live it every day as a wheelchair user, the county doesn't enforce those provisions. And so what I try to explain to them is, you know, it's federal. Here are the federal agencies that you can complain to, but also to another sidelight is the county has a human rights ordinance that applies throughout the county. And it basically says that in all the protected classifications under the law, including disability, that you know you, there, sh- you, there cannot be any discrimination in various different things, housing or public services or going to local businesses. So there is that side like people can file claims with the county under the county ordinance. However, again, going back to the ADA being federal, what I tried to explain is that we're in-house that, for example, the county has a human resources department. Those folks do not go out into the field and enforce federal employment and labor law. Their job is to make sure that the county and its functions is compliant with those laws. So that's what we that's what we do uh, in a nutshell, because, again, you know, you could get people that are very well educated, knowledgeable and so forth. Then they mm-hmm. kind of think, oh, I'll call their office. They're going to be the ADA police and they're going to go yep. out and tell that restaurant owner to, you know, he's got to make a wider doorway or whatever. So what I explain is that we are, you know, as I said earlier, we deal with all of our county programs and services. Now, the county does some things that are exclusive to the count that that only the county provides within the area of Miami-Dade County. And one of those is generally it's water, sewer. So that's, you know, as I said, if you turn on a tap, if that's all you do that day, you've used a county service. Also, the county runs the transit system. Now, there are some of the municipalities that have small little circulator routes on what they call trolleys, like small buses. Uh, but that is, in, in a sense, that's still part of the county uh, transit system and county, uh, you know, libraries. That's that we we are exclusive, exclusively do that. Now, there's libraries 
throughout the county inside of the municipalities and in the unincorporated areas as well. And so like, you know, even a, like a city, even though those city services are being provided by that city um, rather than the, the county, likely there's going to be county roads that go through that city. And those are only mm-hmm. maintenance by the county. Also, any of the actual mechanisms for traffic, traffic lights, audible pedestrian signals, those uh-huh. sorts of things. Yes. And so even if the crosswalk in question is inside of one of the cities, it those mechanisms, the city must interact with the county to get those devices and have them installed and so on. So you're right. It, it, it can be confusing. I absolutely agree with you. You might be surprised by the number of folks that call and they don't even know who their commissioner is, whether and if they're in a municipality, they may not even know who their city commissioner is. And so we try to help, you know, get give people that information. There's a way you can go on the county website, actually, and plug in your address, and it'll tell you automatically who your commissioner is. But yeah, you're right. And I think that if somebody is living in a city rather than in an unincorporated Dade County, and I think that, you know, probably the first step would be to contact their local municipality for some issue. I think the most common ADA issues that come up for folks, especially if you are visually impaired or mobility impaired, is streets, uh, rights of way. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yes. that's huge. That's something that, you know, you would probably start with your local municipality and then potentially be contacting the county if you need audible pedestrian signals installed near your home or near your business or what have you. One of the things that we found out during the COVID crisis, especially right at the beginning, was that digital accessibility was not exactly on par with uh, with what was going to be functional at that point in time. In other words, people could not access services digitally. Right. Does your office advise uh, county departments on their digital access? Because I know that's it's a point of contention in the ADA at the moment. So right, absolutely, yes, indeed, we we do. We, my staff, were a total of five in our office. We're not IT experts, so we make sure that we're interacting with the folks in the county who deal with the county website. So yes, we are We are always there. First of all, as I mentioned about the quarterly meetings we have with AD coordinators and the periodic hints that I sent out to them, that's been a big one that we've really focused on. And so it's not only been making sure that each county department website, which is of course all connected in one huge website, that uh, things that are being put up on that website are accessible to anyone, visually impaired or whomever. That's something, of course, we're always talking to them about. But once with the pandemic, when we all finally started to become a little more comfortable with uh, virtual uh, type connections and meetings, then that was another huge thing for us to make sure that if you know if your county department was having some sort of a, um, an event uh, or a meeting online, um, maybe vo- both virtual and in, in, in uh, life, that you need to make sure that in the settings, if you're using Zoom or whatever you're using, are going to allow people with different disabilities to participate. And um, and in addition to that, 
there is the aspect of the, that the county, of course, does many different events, which could range from some sort of an event, an orchid show in a park. It could be that one of the county commissioners wants to do a food drive, could be food for people, it could be uh, uh, even providing free food for folks that are struggling and have pets. And so anything that is an event that's coming up, of course, there's going to be media releases and then PR that's going to go out, flyers, et cetera. And it's, it's very important that every one of those ways of getting out to the public this information of an upcoming event, that there be an access statement on there. And so the county has a universal access statement um, that basically says, you know, if you have a disability and you need an accommodation to participate in a county meeting, proceeding, or activity, whether that be, you know, sign language or cart, cart uh, you know, real-time captioning, then, you know, that we make sure that there's a name, there's an email address, and a phone number. Because, you know, it, it, I think that everybody with a disability that's needed an accommodation uh, it probably has had that experience where you see a, some sort of public event. Oh gosh, I want to go to that. Oh, but you know, I'm going to need this particular accommodation. Well, okay, I see this fly. Road. Who the heck do I call? Right? How do I get a yes. get a hold? So that we're really very cognizant of that, and we also were always checking flyers. When I say flyers, I mean, really, it's virtual, you know, online stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we have some basic software that we can use to at least hit the big things that we, you know, issues that we might find. And then we let the the people know who are doing the event. Hey, you know, you've got this, you're going to have to fix this or change that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, you're absolutely right. And as you know, it, it, I guess it's just, we all know that the pandemic um, has really changed how we do business. And because we've changed that, we got to make sure that everybody has access to those things. And I think more people with disabilities because of the pandemic uh, have gained opportunities to have access through remote meetings and things like that due to transportation limitations and just due to medical conditions, whatever, may not be able to get out and attend. But if there's a virtual component, that's great. Uh, you must have been reading my mind about the uh, the flyers because uh, I have discussions. I live in an incorporated village that's surrounded by the city of Columbus, and I have discussions with my village government all the time about, please do not put out a flyer that is simply an image. Please do not do that. Right. That's not accessible. It's not, you know, granted, technology is great. We have ways of making it accessible, Mm -hmm. but that's not the point, right? I completely agree with you. And in fact, we get get emails that have, you know, flyers or PDFs or whatever announcing an upcoming event that are given to us by local nonprofits. And they're Mm -hmm. asking us to circulate it out to, we have a database of emails, uh, people who want to be in our sort of like our network to receive things. We check it. We check each one before we send it, before we agree to forward it out to our list. And if we find that, you know what, this is a beautiful flyer, but if you have a visual issue, you're not going to be able to read it. We send it back to the nonprofit or the organization and we tell them what it is. And we say, you know, you're going to need to do this, this and this to correct it. I have to um, 
roll my eyes just a little bit about how many of those organizations, not not specific to your area, but in general, are organizations that serve people with disabilities. <laughs> you you would think that they might get it, but sometimes you know style over substance. So yes, indeed, um, and it, it does, and also some of it does go back to the adage of you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly, exactly. So you folks have been working with Ira to make visual interpreting available throughout Miami-Dade County. Let's talk a little bit about that because uh, you folks just kicked off with a PR campaign and uh, we interviewed Anthony Corona on this podcast a couple episodes back and he it, he was in the process. They had just recorded the PSA. So tell us a little bit about how this came about and uh, what what can you get visual interpreting services for in Miami-Dade County? Yes, absolutely. I have to say that the department in the county that got the ball rolling for IRA mm-hmm. service was our Department of Aviation. And Oh, yes. yes and they, they um, operate Miami International Airport, which is a huge organization. And it's ranked number one for international passengers and international freight in the country. It's ranked number 10 of U.S. airports for total passengers. And it's ranked 12 for total global uh, airports, uh, global airports for for passengers. So uh, I admire what they do out there. They are amazing. They've won um, recently, not not too long ago, they won an award uh, for their access. The The airport has uh, sensory rooms. So if somebody's got a layover and they um, maybe have a child on the spectrum or maybe they themselves do and they want a more of a calming, quiet place, that you can go to, to one of the airport sensory rooms in there with appropriate lighting and some fidget toys and things like that. Um, that yes, is, I think all of us need that <laughs> these days in air travel. <laughs> yes, indeed. And also the department, the um, aviation department has a program for first time flyers. So if you're someone who, or you have a family member who may have um, some significant anxiety about a new thing to do, and perhaps again, maybe someone on the spectrum or, or what have you, there is a program where you can, you come out to the airport, they make arrangements, you get the sense of what it's like to go through security, to go with boarding, all those kinds of things. So that when you, when you actually do come for your flight, you've got some familiarity with it, which is wonderful. I believe that also the, the airport has 10, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's 10 different locations for wheelchair charging stations, which is oh, magnificent. Very nice. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real helpful thing. And they're, again, distributed out across the different concourses. So that's really great. There's some really great things happening out there. And that IRA service was what the first department was aviation. And so mm-hmm. it is available out at um, in Miami International Airport, which, you know, my goodness, it's such a huge place and some of the spaces are so huge that you know it's it makes getting around challenge for somebody with a visual issue of course and may Mm -hmm. not allow for shorelining or other orientation and mobility 
techniques that someone might ordinarily use. Also, the sound out there is is pretty incredible too. So yeah, they they started with that, and we were so excited. Our office that aviation took that on and did that, and just you know they said, hey, this is there's a service, let's do it. So I brought this to the attention of one of our at the time was assistant director of our department and he really thought it was fantastic he was also over all of our department's um physical structures facilities um and uh, many of those facilities house programs and offices of multiple county departments so we now we're so excited about this we now have ira availability in terms of miami-dade county government we've got eight courthouses right now um, included we've got the stephen plea clark center which basically functions as county hall it's where the county mayor uh-huh. is located yes it's a high-rise building and there's many different county departments in there and so also some of the i believe that all in fact all the commissioners have their downtown district offices in county hall and Stephen Lee clark center so it makes a lot of sense for people to be able to get there and find their oh, way great. around as well as the fact that that's where county commission meetings are held the heart i was just gonna bring that up yes. meetings and meeting access and uh, visual interpreting for meetings and things like that that's huge yes the heart of the democratic process for the county we also have ira coverage in several libraries in the also a building that's out west in our county called the west day permitting center which includes the county building department and related uh, Uh, departments to that so that's very important location we've got county offices including paratransit service office at what's called our overtown transit village which is operated by our department and you've got ira coverage there the main county elections building it has ira coverage the oh dennis moss cultural arts center which is an amazing amazing theater down in the southern part of our county which has a black box space that has the, the main theater area they do so many ways to accommodate people coming to there for events but in addition ira is also available um, at that location uh, that's just some of the, the places that we where we have ira and uh, oh in addition uh, across from the clark center is uh, the main library um, which includes ira service and right adjacent to it is what's called history miami now that's not technically a county department but we consider them partners in a way and they oh, run the great. counties uh, the city of miami's museum about miami history So IRA is available over in that location as well, because we own and operate the building that they work from. I know a lot of people find themselves in Miami to get on a cruise ship. Mm. What aspect of that does the county have input into or does the county control? Very good question. The Port of Miami, Port Miami is county run and operated absolutely i was on a trip in barcelona one time on vacation and they have a huge cruise port there in barcelona Mm -hmm. and i was on one of those tourist buses that you can buy a ticket and hop on and hop off at different locations and so we went by their port and the tour guide said that they had the largest passenger cruise ship uh, port in the world 
And then she, she whispered, second to Miami. <laughs> because if she had not put that little uh, part of it in there, that little disclaimer, I was going to talk to her afterwards because we have the largest passenger cruise ship port in the world. And wow. it's not unusual to cross the MacArthur Causeway between Miami Beach and Miami and go by that area, depending, of course, on the, on the day of the week or the time of the day. I've counted five huge ships import at us in, in one single time. So I think even six. Wow, and that's thousands and thousands of people right there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so, yes, the access at the port, you know, where people first come in, whether it's them parking their rental car, whether it's them getting dropped off by a taxi or what, or, or whatever, starting at the point that they enter and get to Dodge Island or the, where the port is located, that um, experience has to start there first through them getting to where they're going and actually boarding the cruise ship Mm -hmm. itself. So that is a definitely a big and important thing that the county has done great things in access. We also have our huge cargo port as well. But in terms of passengers, yes, we we often have multiple just enormous cruise ships coming through our port. I can imagine. Here's the video that we'll be playing on public Finding service a courthouse or navigating a government office doesn't have to be different, especially for those who are blind or have limited vision. Discover how Miami-Dade County is guiding the visually impaired to the right location in this edition of What's New in Our County. Discover how Miami-Dade County is guiding the visually impaired to the right location in this edition of What's New in Our County. You may be wondering what resources are available for those who are blind or have low vision and need to get around. Well, that's where Ira comes in. It's a smartphone app that offers live human-to-human assistance to those who need visual interpreting services. Users can contact a trained specialist who is able to visually interpret their surroundings using their phone's camera specifically in and around Miami-Dade County facilities. Access to government programs and services goes beyond just our rights as local residents and visitors. It's a human right. So it's important that everyone, regardless of ability, disability, is able to access all county services and programs and facilities. And this is one of the ways that we're ensuring that that that's going to happen. According to the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind, more than 67,000 visually impaired adults live in Miami-Dade County. Gabriel Lopez Cafati showed us how Ira helps him gain access to information and county services. I use a guide dog, as you can see, so I have a very, very good understanding of sense of direction. But there are some details that, uh, you know, myself being blind, we're not able to find, for example, if I'm looking for a sign that says library. Um, So in that sense, the IRA agent, they take you straight to the door of the establishment that you want to get to. The app, which can be downloaded for free on iPhones and Androids, is currently available at more than 30 buildings managed by our county's internal services department. In the visually impaired community, IRA is a lifeline, and the fact that Miami-Dade County has opted into this offering for us, it allows me the confidence to step out of my home and know that there's someone behind me at a push of a button, and that that makes life more doable. Visitors and residents don't have to struggle to reach their destination. With the help of IRA, they can be directed through Miami-Dade in a safe manner at no additional cost. For Miami-Dade TV, I'm Jada Hall, and that's what's new in our county.
I'm Jada Hall, and that's what's new in our county. IRA is just one of the services that's offered to provide access to county residents and the millions of visitors. What I would like to say is with Miami-Dade County government, access matters. It truly, truly does. And we, we want to make sure that every single one of our residents and our visitors can partake in all of the fantastic and great things that are available here. So we are really, really committed to this. And you know, we would like, to, as we continue to uh, expand um, different ways of providing access, of course, uh, to bring along other ways of doing so. And, you know, I want people to understand, you know, come here. This is a great place. It's a great place to live, but it's also a great place to visit. And we really do care about the experience that people are going to have, whether they have a disability or whether they don't. My final question is, uh, how can people get a hold of you, get a hold of your department, find out more about Miami-Dade County and its accessibility resources? You can come to our county website, which is miamidade.gov. That's Miami-Dade, no space, no hyphen, dot G-O-V. And do a search for ADA office. You can find our, um, our office website. And the website lists... It's there 24-7. It lists every county department's ADA coordinators, their name, their phone number, and their emails, how to reach out to them. So if you have an issue with any particular department, and you, you, can, you can get a hold of folks immediately. We've got our contact information there. Our, our main number is uh, 305-375-2013, but certainly email. But if you get to our website, you're going to find our email address on there to reach out to us. Go check out the county's website and you'll be surprised by, oh my gosh, the diversity of programs and services that we do provide. And I would imagine there are plenty of places on that website where someone can sign up for newsletters, alerts, things like that, to all of these events, too. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Heidi Johnson, ADA Coordinator of Miami-Dade County, for joining us on Access Matters. Thank you for inviting me. You can learn more about Miami-Dade County services at https colon slash slash www.miamidade.gov. Telephone 305-375-2013. For a list of ADA coordinators by county department, visit https colon slash slash www.miamidade.gov slash global slash ada-coordinators.page. So the next time you wonder who is responsible for that ramp, that governmental service having an accessible website, and where to find information about who's responsible for what in your local government, don't forget your county officials. And don't let them forget you and your needs because, let's face it, access matters. And that concludes this episode. You can contact the show by email at accessmatters at ira.io. That's A-C-C-E-S-S-M-A-T-T-E-R-S at ira.io. You've been listening to Access Matters with Janine Stanley. 
This podcast is a production of Ira Tech Corp. To learn more about visual interpreting, visit our website, http://ira.io, or email us at access at ira.io.